you uh, for coming out. Uh, thank you for those of you that are joining us online this evening. Uh, hopefully you were able to grab your packet of information uh, here. And um, I think it's online or going to be online for those of you that are online there if you'd like to get uh, that or print that off um, as well. We're continuing in our study on uh, the greatest sermon ever preached in uh, Matthew. We finished up chapter 6 last week and we are moving right into chapter number 7. And so we are in the last section of Jesus' teaching now here um, on the Sermon on the Mount here um, uh, throughout this message. And so as we've seen over the past months, uh, Jesus has taken many different topics and uh, has taught on these different topics as we've gone through, kind of underneath a heading of, of certain things. Last, uh, the last session we saw, uh, we're, you know, he's contrasting the approval of God versus the approval of man. He'll be doing the same thing here in chapter 7, uh, doing kind of a contrast as well. But um, one of the things I wanted to point out again to you um, about this as we get into chapter number 7 now, many scholars believe that these were the, the go-to sermons that Jesus taught throughout the entire three and a half years of his ministry and were probably condensed here in this section of Matthew's gospel. Now it's very likely he could have preached all of these while he was sitting on the mount there. The, the context actually puts him on sitting there and teaching this, um, or it could just be a conglomeration of all of these lessons. Uh, either way, these are the important teachings that Jesus wants us to know as followers of Jesus. As believers, this is how we are supposed to live, what we are supposed to do. We started with the Beatitudes, and then he talked about how we are to live uh, through chapter 5 and chapter 6, contrasting uh, how we are to please God or please man. And then now we come to this last section, and he challenges us to choose between obeying or disobeying God's will. This is where he lays the rubber on the road and says, listen, this is what you're supposed to do as a child of God. It is now your choice to determine whether you want to do it or not. If you do it, then you'll be better off. If you don't, then there will be chastisement. There will also be hardship in your life as a result of that. Then you have to remember that the reason why Jesus tells us or commands us to do certain things is because it's for what is best in our lives. We may not think so, or we may not, we may wonder, you know, when Jesus uh, says, listen, if someone strikes you on one cheek, offer the other cheek, you're like, I don't know that that's really the best thing, but really what Jesus is doing is don't treat them the same way they're treating you, treat them better so that you can build a relationship. So the reality is, is that, and we saw that in this lesson uh, earlier, the reality is, is that what Jesus tells us to do, commands us to do, is what's actually best for us in our life. So Jesus now, I set that up for this reason, Jesus is going to bring us to one of the most difficult topics for us Christians to deal with. And the topic is improperly judging others. Certainly no one in this room has ever improperly judged someone else, I'm, I'm sure of that. But unfortunately, this has always been a problem within the church. Believers who they are superior to others, or at least would never commit the same sin as others do, condemn and judge those who have fallen into sin. Uh, a phrase that is most often used in the church, you've heard this many times, how we as Christians shoot our wounded, right? 
Uh, they get into whatever sin they get into. They act whatever way they act. They do something wrong, and we take the stand as if I could never go there. I would never go there. I could never do that. When the reality is, and the truth is, is we need to understand that if not by God's grace, we can do anything, commit any sin, commit any action that is actually out there in the world. And so, uh, Jesus wants us to understand and wants us to know that um, that our Heavenly Father never intended for us to do this or to have this type of judgment towards one another. So Jesus is going to address this issue today, uh, but it's not going to be maybe in the way that you think He's going to address it. Now, you need to understand, this passage right here is the world's favorite Bible verse. If they don't know any other portion of the Bible, if they've never even heard John 3.16, they know the first two words of this verse in verse number one of chapter seven, and they use it to justify everything they do. But here's the problem. We as Christians do the same in a lot of ways, and we want to be justified exactly as the world does. So let's jump into this and let's see what Jesus has for us. And we'll, we'll read the verse and you'll understand the first two words. But first of all, number one in your notes, uh, there's judging. We're going to start with judging. And the first two words that everybody in the world knows and quotes from the Bible continually to justify who they are is judge not. Judge not. Or in other words, don't judge me. You can't judge me. The Bible says don't judge. Let me ask you this question. Have you heard that before? Is that what this passage is talking about? Oh, think about that for a minute. Judge not is what he says. Now, we need to give the rest of the verse because no one remembers the rest of the verse. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That kind of puts a different spin on it if you think about it for a minute because Jesus is not saying don't judge. And we'll see that as we go forward here. Uh, as I said before, judge not is the only part of the passage that everyone clings to. And of course, to do so distorts the entire passage and the true meaning behind Jesus' message here. Jesus is not in any way saying, don't judge. As a matter of fact, he is saying that we must judge and we are to judge. But what he's saying here is that when you judge, or the way that you judge, how you judge, will determine how you will be judged, all right? So we have a right, and we are supposed to judge, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but understand what he's saying here is that with the same way that you judge things or judge others, you will be judged the same way by those people or by others as well. As a matter of fact, the commentator, uh, Stuart Webber, made this statement. I thought this was really good. This is, the mo this is one of the most often misunderstood and misquoted passages in all the Bible. It's important to understand that Jesus was not making a blanket prohibition against all judgment and discernment, but only against that which is done in self-centered pride. And that's very important. A good summary of this meaning, and I underlined it for you in your notes because I think this is really, really good, is do not judge others until you are prepared to be judged by the same standard. 
and when and then when you exercise um, excuse me then when you exercise judgment toward others do it with humility but i think that statement is so important i think this is exactly what jesus is saying do not judge others until you are prepared to be judged by the same standard so we have freedom to judge and we're supposed to judge but just understand that by the standard by which we judge we are to be judged as well. So Jesus says that the way we judge others is the key to everything because, um, because how we judge is how we will be judged. So he says here, um, we see this play out all the time. Have you ever seen this? Someone says something judgmental to another person and they respond, don't judge me. And then when they say don't judge me, they turn around and judge that same person the same way they've been judged, right? You know? So someone says, I don't like your outfit. Hey, don't judge what I'm wearing. Your outfit looks hideous too, right? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's how we react, isn't it? The same type of judgment there. And, uh, so, and this is not just in the world. This is in the church just as much as it is in the world. So it is important for us to note here that Jesus is not telling us not to judge or not to have discernment. But what he is instructing us to do is to judge in a way that helps others, understanding that when we judge, we open ourselves up to the same criticism, the same judgment, which is very important to what he's going to say next as, he, as we go through this verse. So, when, a wor- when the world says to you or when someone says to you, you can't judge me because the Bible says don't judge, You need to judge that statement and correct them and say, no, the Bible does say that we are to judge. But there's a standard by which we are to judge. There's a way we are to judge uh, one another. And uh, so let's jump into that. Number two is judging yourself. Jesus begins with us, with those of us who are his followers, those of us who uh, believe in him. So judging yourself, number two, and we see in verse number Three and four. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a, the log in your own eye? Now, Jesus is doing this to get their attention, and Jesus is doing this out of humor, all right? The whole idea of this was to be humorous, uh, but to make a very strong point, but it was to be funny. And, and what, he, what he was referring to them. And so the whole idea is here is how can you help someone with their sin when you have sin in your life and your sin is actually greater than their sin? That's what he's setting up. Jesus is saying, listen, how can you help someone who has a little itty-bitty speck that's barely noticeable in their eyes when you have a two-by-four coming out of your eye, right? That's really what he's, what he's talking about um, there. So what he's saying here is that if you have a beam in your eye, how in the world can you see even the little speck in your brother or sister's eye? And not only that, how can you reach it if every time you go to take it out, the beam in your eye is knocking upside the head, right? That's really, and that's how the people reacted because it was funny. It's like you're turning your head looking for this and you're smacking the other guy in the head trying to help him and you're causing more harm. And then Jesus says something here that is so very important for us. Two 
things that really bring this down to us, and that is this. The first thing he shows us is the way that we see our sin versus how we see others' sin. Jesus is being um, embellishing. He's embellishing this picture here for one reason. He's embellishing it to let us know that really the truth is is that how we actually see it is opposite of that. So the truth is, is that in our eye, we really look at, at, Jesus is calling what's in our eye the beam. But what he's saying, what you really think is that you only have a speck in your eye. And you really believe that the person you're trying to judge, they actually have the beam in their eye. And so you with your little speck can see it and you can pull it out and you can help. But the reality is, no, you have the beam and they have the speck. You've got it backwards and, and you're not helping them at all. You're judging them and tearing them down. This is unhelpful judgment is what he's referring to. And isn't it true in our lives so often that we feel like our sin doesn't really match up to being that bad as the sin of others actually is? In other words, can I put it this way? We have a lot more grace for ourselves than we do for others, don't we? We have a lot more grace for ourselves and really a lot more judgment for others. And here's what's really unique about this. The closer someone else's sin gets close to the sin that we deal with in our life, the harsher we are on them. Think about it. Once this starts hitting home and we see something in someone else's life a little bit worse in their life, or we think it's worse in their life, or we think it's worse than what, what we do, we get really amped up about it. And we get really even maybe preachy about it. And we get, get that right in your life, because, and really, we're the ones that are, are struggling with it. But even more than that, I want you to see something here that maybe you've never thought about, um, or that you've, um, maybe is even foreign to you. And that is this, who is judging who in this story that Jesus is referring to? Jesus is only talking, listen now, to believers. He's only talking to judging other believers. He is not talking about judging the world. We are never called to judge the world. Did you know that? We, we don't, we're not, now we need to discern right from wrong. Don't misunderstand me. But we've never been called to judge the world. We, we, as I said, we have to discern right and wrong, but we have no right or authority to tell someone in the world to stop sinning. Did you know that? We cannot go to someone in the world and say, you are living in sin, you need to change that and, and stop doing that because of the sin that you are committing. Now, there's one way that we do change that for them, and that's give them the gospel. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts them of their sin, and they get uh, forgiven, and they get saved, and they change. But for us to go, hey, what you're doing in your life is a sin. Don't do it any longer. We don't have the right to tell them that because of two very important reasons. Now, we can certainly appeal to them on why this would hurt them physically. We can certainly appeal to them on why this would be wrong to do this in physical areas. But in the area of sin or spiritual level of this, we do not have the, the right, the authority to judge them. And the first reason why is because they don't know any better. The person who is lost does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says our enemies of God and will sin 
naturally, because sin is all they know. They cannot do what is right in the eyes of God. Now, they can have some, some morality based upon man. They can do good things. They can be kind people. But in the light of the spiritual realm of where God looks and says, hey, you know, that's worth something, he says it can't be done because the only way we have anything worthy of God's praise is because of what God does through us there. Remember the scriptures say our works are as filthy rags, right? But the only righteousness we have is because of what's imputed to us in our salvation and what we do as believers gives merit to what we do because God does it through us. But the laws cannot do anything but sin. They don't, uh, can't do anything good. They might be able to hit the morality of the world, but they cannot hit the morality of God. And then second, the reason why we can't judge them is because that judgment is reserved for God, not for us. We are not the judge. God is the judge. What are we to do? We're to love them. We're to love them. We're to love them in the state they are in, and we are to love them enough to give them the gospel so they won't stay in that state. But other than that, we have no right to condemn their life. We have no right to put them down. We have no right to you know, call them filthy, sinful people or, anything, or judge their lives how they are because they don't know any better. Now, when I say discernment now, meaning that we don't follow in their footsteps, right? We don't, we don't, we don't say, we don't condone their sin so that we're all going to get into that sin. No, no, no. I still know that I'm not supposed to be a part of that sin. I don't condone that sin and that I'm doing it or it's, or it's even good. But, but I don't have the right to say to you, change your life because I say change your life. No. They're, they're sinners. We don't have that right. And so Jesus is saying here, now, let's flip that over. What Jesus is saying here, though, as believers, as followers of Christ, when we see another brother or sister in Christ who is walking in sin, not only do we have a right, but we have a duty as fellow believers to confront that believer and help them get out of that sin. That's what Jesus is saying. And, and there's a way that we do that. But that's, that's where the judgment comes in. That's where if I see you living in a way or you see me living in a way in brotherly love, in Christian love, you come alongside and say, hey, what I'm seeing happening in your life is sin according to the Bible and you need to get that right before God or you're going to find yourself on the wrong path. You're going to find yourself being hurt. You're going to find yourself uh, losing your uh, fellowship with God in your life. Do you see the difference in that? Okay? And that's what Jesus is referring to, and that's what we're going to get to here in a moment. But I want you to understand that Jesus is focusing on believers. He is not focusing on us judging the world. So we are called to love the world, give them the gospel, not condone or, or accept their sin for a lifestyle that we would accept or think that is any good, but we don't have the right to tell them or make them stop unless they're doing something to us, right? Okay, you know, the robber comes up to you and says, give me all your money. No, I can't stop you from doing that. I know it's wrong, but I, you're, you're, not, you're in the world. No, you can stop them from robbing you there. Does that make sense, what I'm saying to you? Though? Are you following what I'm, what, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make here? Okay, uh, because a lot of times we, you know, we as believers get sucked into this holier-than-thou mentality that, that, yeah, listen, the sin of the world is disgusting. The sin of the world is horrible. What they are doing is absolutely wrong. And yes, I would love to see the world change, but the only way the world is changed is through the gospel, 
Not through us condemning or putting them down or putting them in their place or telling them how horrible they are or how rotten they are. Do you see the difference? We take the love and the grace of God to them. So, all right. So as we get ready to, uh, and like you said, judge others and stuff like that, then we see here uh, what Jesus is saying here in his, in his very next statement. We are So in no way is Jesus saying, don't judge. Rather, he is saying, check your heart first, take care of the sin in your life, then go and help your brother and, or sister in Christ. And that's what he's going to show us here in the next verse. So number three in your notes is helping your brother or sister in Christ. Helping. So what I would uh, want to point out to you is that the word judging here uh, in the Scripture, when we're talking about judging what a brother or a sister in Christ does, it is, it is really the word helping. It is discerning what they are doing to help them not stay in the sin that they're in. It is judging out of love. It is judging out of concern. It is not judging out of being judgmental or tearing down. Okay, And we'll see that here. Because this is what Jesus deals with. Uh, here when he talks about in verse number 5, because he has a harsh word for those that are sitting there listening. He says in verse 5, he says, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So why is Jesus so harsh here? Why is he calling the person that, that it wants to help the brother with the speck, uh, but he has the beam in his own eye? He uses this harsh term, and as we've already laid out, because he hasn't taken care of the sin in his life first. So the person who judges with sin in their life does not, not judge out of love or concern, but out of anger and judgmentalism. And that, unfortunately, is a judgment that we find in the church quite often. It's, did you hear what so-and-so did? I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they act that way. And instead of us going to them to help them, we just put them down. We just judge them. We just disassociate ourselves with them. We just outcast them uh, in the church. church, And it's just like uh, we're not supposed to to have anything to do to help them. Uh, That's judgmentalism. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, when you have sin in your heart and you go to judge or even judgingly help, you will not do it with the right heart motivation because you are still living in sin. You are hypocritical. You're not taking care of the sin in your life. And in other words, how in the world can you tell someone else to get their life right if your life isn't right to begin with, right? You're living in sin. And so, and that sin taints everything. And that's why I said to you at the beginning of this, have you ever noticed when someone's dealing with sin, how judgmental they are against another person that commits the same sin they are? That's because it hits a nerve. That's because you haven't dealt with the sin in your life and you're trying uh, maybe even you have the right motive at the very beginning saying, hey, I'm going to help them so they don't, they don't go down this path, but yet still there's judgmentalism as a part of that. So, um, so it doesn't matter how big their sin actually is. The person with the judgmental heart sees his brother's sin as 100 times worse than he sees his own and believes he had a right to judge. And this is the heart that Jesus is teaching against. So still, we must understand that Jesus is telling us as believers that once our heart is right, once our sin is dealt with, we do have a responsibility. And I want you to hear that word. 
we do have a responsibility to help our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are dealing with sin. Now, the responsibility that we have is to come to them in humbleness after self-examination, after we make sure that, that we are right with God, and we humbly come to them and in love, and we say to them in love, humbly, hey, I see some things in your life that I want to point out to you that I don't know whether or not you, you know or what you're dealing with. We need to get this right with God because I, I care about you. Now, here's another thing that's very, very important in this. You need to have a relationship with them. And I mean, you, 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 you know, you, you can't just walk up to somebody that, that maybe, <laughs> maybe they've come to church a couple weeks, you don't know them, you haven't inter- introduced yourself to them, and, I, and you walk up and go, hey, you're in church, I'm in church, and I see something in your life and you need to get this right. That's, not, that's like telling the world, right? You've got to get to know them. You've got to get to befriend them. You have to, in the skeptical day that we're living in, have a relationship that you can talk to someone like that, you see. So we need to make sure that, that we have this relationship right, but we also need to make sure that our life is right in this as well. So when we come and we help them out, we need to take care of the sin in our life first, and then this must be done in great humility and love when we approach them. So can I summarize it this way? Jesus is saying here that when you see sin in the life of a fellow believer, you are first to self-examine your life and deal properly with with your sin. Then in humbleness and great love, you are to confront the fellow believer, point out their sin, and stand ready to help them get their life back on track and grow in their spiritual walk. And again, I stress that this can't be done unless there's a relationship that's been built up. And this, and this goes right into why we need to be faithful in the house of God and why we need to be faithful to our small groups when we get them launched here shortly and why we need to have these relationships where we're doing life together because unless you're doing life together, you can't speak into somebody else's life. It's impossible. Um, or when you do, it will be received with great skepticism. <laughs> right? Uh, or even judgmentalism on their, on their side. And so the idea here is that when we handle this right, Jesus says we will be judged in the same manner. Meaning that when we have sin in our life and another brother comes to us in humility and love, we are to receive his correction in our life. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. Those of you who are spiritual help someone who is, who is weaker than you. One day, I may be, be spiritual because I, I, I may have taken care of this sin in my life and I have a, a way to help you take care of the sin in your life. But tomorrow, you may be the spiritual one because you've seen a sin in my life that you've dealt with and you're able to help me in. You see, no, not one of us is constantly spirit, more spiritual than the other one. This is a walking process as we walk the journey of life together. One, one time in my life, I might be you know, just rocking it with Jesus, right? And, and just walking with Him and life is good and you're kind of like lagging behind going, man, life isn't really there and I need to come alongside of you and help bring you up. And then somewhere down the road, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna be lagging and you're gonna need to help me get up to where we need to be. That's the spiritual walk and that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about judging what is going on in each other's life. Really the better word, the best word is discerning. 
Judging seems so harsh, but that's the word that Jesus used. But it's really the idea that we discern as we are around those who we love and have fellowship with where they are in their life and help them in their journey. And if that means sometimes you have a difficult conversation, you have that difficult conversation. And you can have that conversation because you have the right relationship your heart is right, you are humble, you're coming in love, and they receive that humbly, and they receive it in love, and you guys go on. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 6. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you, you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about judging. He's talking about coming together, other believers, and he's dealing only with believers here. Come alongside each other, build each other up, help us to get through this. And this is how we are to judge and help fellow believers. So we see here this context. And Jesus is going to take this one step farther now. Uh, in the last verse, but I want to make sure that before we step away from this, you understand exactly what Jesus is saying here. We do have a right and a responsibility to judge one another as believers, or better discern what's going on in one another's life as believers, so that we can help one another and so that we can receive the help that we need in the times that we are falling behind. And that's what Jesus is saying. Okay? He, but when he comes out and says, judge not lest you be judged, what he's saying is if you have a judgmental heart, if you have sin in your life and you're judging other Christians and you're putting them down, then you have a right to be judged the exact same way. And it's not to be that way between believers. It's not to be that way between those of us who are followers of Christ there. And so uh, as Jesus teaches this, he now moves on to outside of believers and deals with the world in just one little verse here um, and, and what he wants us to know when it comes to the world. And so number four is discerning the use, use, U-S-E, use is the blank there, of the gospel, discerning the use of the gospel. And this is very interesting what Jesus says here, maybe something you've never thought of before. But he gets a little harsh in his words here. He gets a little colorful with with. Uh, describing here certain people. And he says in verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy. Now he's not talking about literal dogs there. You'll see that in a moment. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. <laughs> First reading, this seems way out of place of what Jesus is talking about, but he's talking about judging here. He's talking about discernment here. And he's dealing now with the world uh, instead of just with other believers. And the term dog and pigs here were derogatory statements that Jesus was using to depict, to depict a certain group of people. And who he's depicting are those who fight against the gospel. It's not that they are just don't want to hear it. It's not that, you know, you keep your beliefs to you and I'll keep my beliefs to me. It is those that engage in continual argument and fighting against the gospel when you present it. They're the ones that almost instigate the conversation so that they can get into a fight or an argument with you when you give the gospel. And let me stress this, believer, the gospel is not an arguing point. <laughs> All right? It's this is what Jesus said. That settles it. Take it or leave it. That's what it is, all right? 
Now, we can talk about nuances and other things there, but I think a lot of times those things are ploy to get us off the, the main line of what Jesus says uh, in the gospel. We are just to give the gospel in love and hopefully see lives changed in that. But Jesus is talking about those who argue, those who are combative, those who eventually start tearing you down because you are a believer. Those who get so angry while you're talking to them that they're like, that Christianity is a crutch and you, you are weak because you have to have it and, and you, you know, look at how bad you are in your life and you want me to have Jesus and, and start tearing you down and start destroying you. So Jesus is saying here and telling us here, listen now, to judge whether or not it is worth engaging in this activity. Do you think Jesus will, I mean, isn't that mind-boggling to think that Jesus would tell you there is a time to stop giving the gospel? You're like, what? That doesn't make a lot of sense, but let me explain what Jesus is, is saying here. Jesus is not, Jesus wants us to share the gospel, and he wants us to initiate sharing the gospel with others. But what Jesus is emphasizing here is how precious the gospel truly is. It is holy and it is precious like pearls. God says the God, Jesus says the gospel is so wonderful, so beautiful that you just don't throw it out anywhere. You just don't let it get trampled down. It's something to be pre- protected and given to those who will receive. So, here's what Jesus is saying. Yes, we are to share the gospel with everyone. Okay? There's always an initial time that we share the gospel. Uh, when we're sharing the gospel with someone, give them the good news of Jesus Christ, we give it to them. However, those who are extremely combative and seemingly will not listen to what is being said, those who want to fight and want to move everything, there's a time where we have to discern how often we want to continue to give them the gospel. So, is it one time? Is it two times? Is it three times? Is it four? I don't know. You have to determine that. You see, if you recognize that every time you give them the gospel, all they want to do is argue, and you recognize that really they're not listening to you, they're waiting for you to speak so they can bring up their next point. Have you, know, have you noticed people that do that, right? Their next argument on why they shouldn't. What Jesus is saying is your time would be better spent sharing the gospel with more people that would want to hear it than wasting time with this one person who is certain not to receive, you see. Listen, you know, so Jesus is saying you need to discern how much time and effort you're going to put into this one person or are you going to continue to go out and take the gospel to those who are willing to listen and willing to uh, hear the gospel. It's like the, the um, parable of the sower, right? I mean, if you're thro- back in that day, they just threw their seed wherever it would, and wherever it would land, you'd have these four different types of soil. However, today, with the technology we have, if the farmer has a patch of soil that he knows he can't grow anything on, is he going to put his seed there? Of course not. He knows it's not, going, it's not going to work. It's not going to yield anything. It's not going to be beneficial because the, the, the ground isn't prepared, isn't right, it's not good ground, and it's going to fight against that growing. And Jesus is saying, listen, it, it, you need to send the gospel out to everybody that you come into contact with, and after you have the discussion with them, if you learn that they are a combative person that w- doesn't really want the gospel but wants to fight, then you need to determine how, many, how much more of your resources you want to put in that, or should you pull back and go somewhere else with the gospel. Does that make sense? 
Jesus says you put in that energy, you're just throwing the gospel out before dogs and, and before sw- pearls before swine. It's like they don't want it. Move on. Move on. So there are some people, listen, there are some people you just have to let go and simply let the Holy Spirit work on them by himself. Because listen, sometimes, sometimes the silence is stronger than speaking. Okay? But the only way the silence is stronger than speaking is if you at least have given them the gospel once. Okay? In no way am I saying, uh, you look out there. See, I, I look out, and, and I see Ron back there. i got to pick on you, Ron, a little bit. And I know Ron's a, a stinker, and he just does not want it, okay? I determined that before I ever shared the gospel with him, I, I, just because I know I'm not going to even tell him about it. Is that right? No. I don't know that until we get into the conversation, and I share the gospel with Ron, and then Ron becomes a stinker and doesn't want it. Then I give it to him a second time, a third time, and finally he says, no, I don't want, you know, just wants to fight, and then I'm, I back away. But knowing Ron, he'd receive it the first time. So he's <laughs> thanks for letting me use you as an illustration. But does that make sense what I'm what I'm saying to you in this? I want to make sure you understand that we always, every person, every single person, no matter how they look, no matter how they act, needs to at least hear the gospel once. Do you hear me? And we're to take the gospel to them. It's not until after we give them the gospel and after they try to fight against it. And it may be the second, third, or fourth time that we do that, that we discern or we make this discernment that Jesus is saying, okay, this person, you need to walk away and go somewhere else uh, with it there. So. So the truth of the matter is we are told in this passage to judge. So anyone that comes to you and says the Bible says don't judge, Judge them. No. <laughs> know that we are. We are to judge other brothers and sisters in Christ by first examining ourselves and making sure that we are in the right relationship with God. Second, point out their sin with humility and love and help them. And third, be willing to walk with them and help them get victory over the sin in their life. And with the world, we are to discern how best to give the world the gospel. But we must give the world the gospel. Let's pray and we'll break up into our groups and discuss this more. Father God, thank you so much for your word and the truth of it. Thank you for this lesson. And Lord, I pray that we be a people with discernment, with proper love and judgment to come alongside our fellow brothers and sisters, that we will give judgment to help where they need help in their lives, and we will also receive that judgment where we need help in our life so that our walk will be better with you. And God, I pray for the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit that when we take the gospel to this world, their hearts will be softened, and Holy Spirit, they'll hear the truth, and they'll they'll choose salvation, Lord, I pray. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Ladies in here, men out in the foyer.